The Galactic Dads Podcast, a podcast by Geeky Dads, talking about all things geek, dad life, I am the father, and beyond, language. All right, we are back with John. Red Rock, let's go. All right, so there's a lot of exciting stuff that came over the Thanksgiving long weekend. Uh, and then to start us off this week, we got the new teaser trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, John? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, they showed us uh, a piece of a scene, uh, and it was very, it was action-packed, you know? Uh, it was rolling through. They had some stormtroopers and the new jump troopers, uh, which they've already released action figures for, so I was super excited I already have them. But uh, jump troopers were on the back of those. Uh, it's kind of weird because when you look at those... Uh, machines that they were on, it, they've got the treads on them, you know, it's almost like Star Wars is taking a, uh, going backwards in technology, instead of like hovering, it's it's now we're on land. Um, yep. but it was kind of cool to see the machine just flip the jump troopers out, and they start going over our heroes, and it, it's just funny to hear them all, <laughs> they, they can fly now, or they're flying now, and um, it, it's uh, that comedic piece that C-3PO has always brought to the the trilogies and uh thin jumps in and poe just yeah, yeah they can fly now and then yeah. they, they, they back to business you know um and then they uh, <coughs> dropped the other teaser trailer with the duel of the fates um soundtrack in the background i don't know if uh you caught that um i did not thank you for bringing that up yeah palpatine uh started speaking about how this is the end and uh during that um montage you heard the duel of fates you heard the uh the uh, March of the Empire, um, the Imperial March um, uh, song in the background, and then uh, it closes out with, uh, well, it goes back to the Duel of Fates at the very end, but it also hits some of the new trilogy um, songs with uh, Kylo and Rey meet for their battles. So uh, the music in that new tra- teaser hit all three trilogies, um, kind of signifying that this is the culmination of everything, uh, which is really Impressive. Cool. Yeah, that is you- cool. Yeah, and you get to see uh, Ben Solo light up his lightsaber uh, going at who we presume is Rey. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it was very exciting. Like, the last two things that we got from Star Wars, uh, Rise of Skywalker, were one was action-packed. The next one looped in all of the trilogies um, so far uh, between the prequels, the original trilogy, and the sequels. So it was um, really cool to see how they were bringing that through. Uh, and I'm hoping, and the Duel of Fates that was uh, played in the uh, new teaser, it had some uh, new pieces of it added in, so it was a little upgraded. So I'm hoping we might get some Duel of Fates action in the in the movie, but we'll see what happens. I hope so. I was also very pleased in the action scene, if we can touch on that first a little bit. We only get to see a little bit of it, of course. To see the motorcycles that essentially have tank treads cruising through the desert is cool. Uh, even though if the technology is a little bit backwards. But the idea of putting essentially Boba Fett's jetpack on the back of Stormtroopers took way longer to see on screen than I figured it would. Yeah, uh, the jetpacks are just awesome. And it's one of those features that, yeah, Boba Fett had in the original trilogy. Outside of Jango Fett in the prequels, you really don't see any characters with jetpacks. And yeah. obviously they're in, the, they're, they're in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, we I'm actually really get... 
We could see a sweet callback to that in uh, the third episode of Mandalorian, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But I I think it's great that we're getting more jetpacks in a space show. I think it's high time that more people get a jetpack. I think everybody needs jetpacks. Just put everybody with a jetpack on there. When I was 12 years old, I thought I would have a jetpack by now. So if I can at least see it in Star Wars and get a little bit of wish fulfillment, that would be nice. I mean, at the very worst, we were supposed to have hoverboard, like hover um, skateboards, right? By now. Yeah, my car was supposed to fly. It only does yeah. that when I'm really drunk and in the south jumping dune hills or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to have all this already. Yeah, instead we've got uh, phones in our pockets that connect us to everyone in the world at all times. And we misuse it, and then we also use it to put on an awesome podcast. So here we go. What what if our phone would fly, right? And then just hover <laughs> next to us while we talk. Um, it will before we do. That's oh, true. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but uh the trailers um look really great. Uh and while we're touching on that, I mean we might as well touch on a few of the rumors about the movie real quick. Oh, um, please do, yes. Oh my goodness. So there's all kinds of fan rage right now, and there always is um when we're talking about the fan base and uh, rumors fly everywhere. So, uh, rumor was that they did test screens for the Rise of Skywalker, and in those test screens, you know, they they divvy up the the audience, right? So, like twenty five percent are like Star Wars huge fans would go see Star Wars, that whatever it was, just because it's Star Wars, and then mm-hmm. you have like twenty five percent casual fans, twenty five percent that have seen maybe a couple of the movies, but not everything. And then 25% of, I've never seen Star Wars in my life, but I enjoy going to movies. Um, so you get all those people in a room, and you do a test screening. And um, the rumor was that anybody that had seen Star Wars previously wanted to walk out of the theater. <laughs> by, by act, by the second act. So <laughs> very concerning things, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, the grades went went through, and uh, basically, the first act scored the highest <coughs> pretty well. The middle act uh, flopped ha- pretty hard, and then the the final act flopped the hardest. So um, uh, they uh, and again, this is all rumor, obviously. So they uh, pulled in uh, Bob Iger, who is the CEO of Disney, right? So he runs all of it. And, mm-hmm. he and he's like, oh, we got to redo all this stuff. So they fixed uh, I'll, I'll quotation marks around, fixed the film to uh, make the adjustments that Iger suggested, did another test screening. It went better, but the last act still flopped, right? Interesting. So, they, so who do you have to call next, right? J.J. <laughs> Abrams? Lucas? <laughs> well, JJ, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's exactly it. You call George Lucas. Hey, George, what can we do with this movie to not mess it up, right? So George Lucas comes in, adds some more stuff, and it, it got the best ratings out of every every test screener. Um, still not super favorable, but the best. So uh, the argument right now is which version of this movie we're going to get. Are we going to get the J.J. Abrams, uh, Kathleen Kennedy version? Are we going to get the Bob Iger version? Or are we going to get George Lucas's final cut? You know, And it's just crazy listening to some of these rumors fly around uh, and then J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy both went on. Um, uh, I think J.J. went on a talk show. And then Kathleen Kennedy had an interview with uh, maybe Esquire, I think. 
Uh, I might be wrong on that, but it was a magazine. Uh, or maybe it was Rolling Stone. Anyway, re- regardless, <coughs> went on an interview saying that there, there, there were no test screens, that the only people that had seen the final cut of the film, uh, they did a friends and family screening. Uh, and then they got feedback from that. And that's the only people that have seen the full, full film. Uh, and JJ even said he hadn't even seen the final, final cut. Um, so it kind of seems scripted. So I guess <coughs> you being the creative one out of the two of us, um, why would uh, you show it to friends and family and not a test screener? I guess that's really what the question would be, right? Well, there's a couple of different reasons you would do something like that that I can immediately think of. But my first question is probably way more pertinent is where do these rumors come from? Where did the whole, the whole, Hey, there's more than one cut and it's been shown to these audiences, these test audiences, and they aren't reacting favorably. Where does the, yeah. Tell tell me where those rumors come from. So, uh, Oh boy. There's a couple of YouTubers. Um, Oh man, I'm gonna I might mess up his name right now. Uh, Dark Lord DVD, which is hilarious that that's his name, but uh, he um, uh, he evidently has some sources that are close to the project that gave him this information. And and like I said, if you listen to him talk through the movie, that's why I say these all rumors. Um, and YouTube grabbed it. On a lot of the other uh, fan theories, um, YouTubers have really latched onto it and then also spread it. But if you listen to them, it is all like this dude does not like Disney. I mean, it might be a female also. They use a voice changer. <laughs> they use a voice changer in their in their video, so you really don't know what they are. Um, and they it's have, George like, Lucas. Yeah, it's probably as George Lucas. He's a leak. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but they came out and like my source has told like it's all about sources, obviously. And he's like, and in one of his videos, he said that two different people confirmed different details separately. So he, he thinks he's got a handle on what's going on. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting. I honestly think that it, it's just, it's just false media. Like somebody has it out to tell Disney to, you know, like they don't want Disney to make money off of it or whatever, but I, I don't really believe it, but I, I don't know why you would have a friends and family screening and not a test screen um, with everything going on. Like, it's a big corporation that's invested billions of dollars in this. Why wouldn't you do a test screen at some point? Uh, almost, uh, well, not every movie, but quite a few movies do test screenings. So I don't know why a movie of this magnitude wouldn't do a test screen. Um, but at the same time, I can believe them wanting to keep everything completely under wraps. I'm leaning more towards the the fact that they know this movie's going to make money. Uh, so if Essentially, if you know there's a rabid fan base and there's a lot of anticipation for a film, it's a lot easier to not uh, do a bunch of test screenings on things because you know ahead of time that it's going to perform at the box office. And also, with such a strong fan base with so many different, I say, factions of it, uh, people who will support, people who will go see but then be negative, things like that. Um, it's really easy for maybe there were test screenings and they just kept it really quiet because it's Disney and the power of Mickey's lawyers is incredible. Um, but also, you know, maybe those test screenings went well, but the voices on the internet just got the loudest were the ones that say they didn't go well. 
it, it's interesting how anything on the internet spreads. I mean, there's all sorts of urban legends and stuff. I'm sure that everyone listening is aware of that take off and then you realize they're baseless. Um, so I think a lot of rumors around movies, especially movies with kind of an active, actively imaginative fan base like star Wars has, um, lots of things could come out and gain steam and, and really get spread around, especially when people get tired of watching the trailer and want more and want more. And of course you're not getting it till December 20th. So calm down, but you still go looking for other stuff. So I'm not really, really sure that there wasn't a test screening. Um, perhaps if there was, it was quiet uh, and it got the reaction they wanted. So all things moved ahead accordingly. But if Disney themselves said there was no test screening, I have no idea why they would do one and keep it quiet if it was good. Right. And that, that, I think that was, that's the biggest um, argument. Like if it was good, why would you keep it quiet? If it, um, Especially if it's getting out right now that it was bad. Why wouldn't they rename take the offensive? Say, yeah. yeah, and just be like, uh, no, every t- every everything we test screened with this movie, um, even the like, let's say they didn't show a full film. Let's say we only showed certain audiences certain scenes, and all of them reacted positively to them. You know, like so, um, they would have. I, I I just feel like they would have gone on more of an offensive if it wasn't if it didn't have something. Um, but at the same time, like you said, at, people are gonna go see this movie, so it's gonna be successful. So do you need oh, test screens? Yeah. Eh, not really, because are you really out there to please fans? Well, you want them to be happy when they leave the movie, right? Because you want them to buy into other things you're doing with the franchise. But at the same time, as a corporation, you're there to make money. And you're going to make your money. So oh, I guess yeah. It, 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 it's, it's twofolded, and it really just depends on what they want. And I believe J.J. wants to please fans. I don't want a fan service movie. Um, I know we talked about this before. Like, oh, I want something different. No, Ryan Johnson did something different. People hated it. Let's not do that again. Um, but... Uh, I don't want just a fan service movie. I want I want it to flow. I want the story to flow and the story to be completed. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm excited from seeing just the action sequence with the jump troopers. I think that's going to be phenomenal. Uh, I love when they introduce new types of troopers. I know we're getting those troopers and a Sith trooper in the new movie. So I'm really excited to see the new troopers and what their abilities are. <laughs> I look I look forward to seeing a Sith trooper. However, that. Um, touches back to us saying I want to see something new and different and of course reference to The Last Jedi. Uh, I watched that again on Netflix with my wife just a few days ago. She turned it on. I of course sat down and watched it because it's Star Wars. I'm going to go ahead and say this and I don't care what kind of flack I get for it. Upon a more relaxed viewing just on the couch just checking it out I enjoyed that movie a lot more than I recall like a year and a half ago. I don't think it is as bad as I have given it flack for. Now, I don't think it's great. It didn't do everything I wanted, but it wasn't as bad as I recall. And I'm trying to figure out what, where the rage came from. And I'm not sure. So everyone listening, just go watch last Jedi again. And you'll like it a little bit more. I promise. I promise. Yeah, really. I think, I, honestly, I told you, I think I said this before. It's an entertaining movie. It is. It wasn't what I wanted to see happen with the characters. So I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, and I, I picked out plot holes while going through it. So I was, just, I was upset with some of the stuff that they did with the character arcs and the plot holes that they left. Mm-hmm. And 
and I go back to this a lot. We, as if we would have watched um, the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, you and I would have been like, "Man, where did the Emperor even come from? What's going on?" Like we know he was in the background. Like, like we wouldn't have had any answers, right? And we didn't get right. answers until um, expanded universe now Legends started answering some of the questions for us, and now we're getting more information about him, and we got a lot of information about him in the sequels twenty years later. But uh, we didn't know anything about him uh, when we first saw him. Just like, oh, we still don't know anything about Snoke, and he's dead, which kind of sucks. So we, hopefully we learn more about what his origin was at some point. Yeah, I, think I, that's why, I think that's why people are so angry about it. But at the same time, like I said, you didn't know anything about Palpatine. It may have bothered you, but it wasn't. you weren't raging about it. Like It was just you wanted yeah, to know him. I didn't rage about Palpatine at all. Now that you say that, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, so he's the the bad guy. When But Snoke, when he died, I was raging. I'm still kind of raging because he's super powerful. How? Where do you come from? How'd you get that powerful? How do we go from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens and Snoke is just in control of everything? Yeah. And no, also looks like he's he's been through some dark side shit. To look the way he does. I mean, you can tell he, he's been turned and twisted by the dark side enough to look like that. Like, I really don't think that's Deadpool who's using the force. <laughs> yeah, whether or not he's been training really hard or he got into some pretty severe battles with either fire, uh, Sith, looked like Sith fire, Lord, fire or or some light side opponent. He's been through he's been through it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I want everyone wants to know more backstory on him, and we might get it after the sequel trilogy is completed. Uh, I really hope we do. I hope we get more. Um, I, I love like we already talked about this already, but like on the 18th, Charles Soule drops um, the Kylo Ren comic. I'm hoping yes. that some of that involves Snoke, and we get some backstory there. I'm really, really hoping. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it won't be in the first few issues. I'm sure it'll be uh, down the road for them if they do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I really am. I really am hoping that we get some more information on Snoke, and so are the fans. Like, fans just want information. Like, that's all they want. Like, um, they rage about it, <laughs> but they ultimately they just want to know where he comes from. Connect the dots for us. Just connect yeah. the dots. Yeah, and they could have already done that, you know, but they may have not done it yet because it would lead them towards the ending of the story, which they yeah. can't. Do. So, I get it. Um, but I, I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm very excited. And like you said, Last Jedi, very entertaining movie. <laughs> you can erase some plot points. You can add some plot points and make it a little different. But realistically, Ryan Johnson made an entertaining movie, and he had good production value. And the scenes you saw, like the, some of the images on the screen were incredible. Uh, but everyone looks past that for that. Everyone just wants to see the flaws. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. In episode four of the Mandalorian, somebody saw a boom mic that caught a shot. Congratulations! Oh. Thanks for slowing down every shot to to one whatever frame per second, and and great for you that you saw a boom mic in the shot. I don't care. I didn't see the boom mic when I first viewed it. I didn't see it the second time I viewed the episode. So get over it. <laughs> yeah. So that's an excellent transition. So we're super excited after seeing these teaser trailers and the the action scene of the trailer and we've only got what 17 days 16 and a half days to go till we actually get our hands on the movie or eyes on it whatever but we are full-blown in the middle of enjoying a weekly series 
from Star Wars that's just it's incredible. I don't really know how else to describe the Mandalorian than it's giving me everything I never knew I wanted. <laughs> yep. In every episode. So I know we're going to do a recap, but before we get started, I just want to say that I feel the first three episodes make up this great, like, I feel a standalone movie. If you just take the first three episodes, you get a great hero's journey. You get the baby Yoda thing, which we're not sure what to call it yet, but that's what the internet has broken over. Uh, And you get to see this hardened, cold-ass bounty hunter soften up a bit, but still get harder, harder armor. So I get to see that. I got to see Jawas. I haven't seen Jawas since what? Empire Strikes Back? A New Hope? When was the last time you see Jawas? I mean, I didn't even know I cared about those guys. But as soon as they were back in their crawler, their sand crawler, I was like, this is awesome. It's amazing that all Jawas have the same sand crawler. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they do. They must have like they buy them in bulk at intergalactic Costco. <laughs> They've got Costco. There's a whole yeah. planet that's just a Costco planet. It's just a giant <laughs> Costco planet. Um, but no. So my point is, I thought that I was getting like the old classic Star Wars fix from The Force Awakens, but I'm getting an even better classic Star Wars feel and vibe from The Mandalorian. And I think that's what's really pushing that show along. Aside from good writing, excellent cinematography, wonderful music, I really feel like they are nailing the nostalgia of Star Wars while still bringing in slightly new stuff. Like an army of Mandalorians? Have at thee, sir. Let's just talk about a flamethrower... And jetpacks with a, a chain gun. Like, just go in, John. Just Dude. tell everyone what they're missing if they haven't seen it. First of all, he loves that flamethrower. He's he's used it in every episode so far. And I, I don't care. I, I love it. I love the flamethrower. I, I uh, got to watch him burn up a bunch of stuff. But we're gonna uh, let's we'll do a quick review here. Let's let's talk about it. So, uh, all right. You know what? Before we get into it, I know it was just Black Friday. I have not discuss what i'm drinking tonight and i'm very excited about that i'm so sorry john i'm also having a beverage that i should have shared but you please please do tell do you know what beer comes out on black friday every year are you gonna tell me about the goose island bourbon county i am gonna tell you about the goose island bourbon county yeah first of all i totally picked up my 2019 bottles this this weekend uh well on friday specifically um and my lovely wife was good enough to get me like a, a three-year bottle pack. So it's got the 2017, 2018, 2019 bottles in it, which Dude, is pretty awesome. Mar- you should marry her. Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness, I already took care of that. All right. Good for you. Yeah, right? Uh, but <laughs> so uh, back in 2017, I actually was lucky enough to come across a case of them. So uh, today is the day I got to break out a uh, two-year-old beer. And... Uh, Port in a nice glass, and I'm I'm drinking some Bourbon County uh, Stout Aged uh, in Bourbon Barrels beer um, what, from 2017. Was that, was that the case you found at the liquor store up the street from my condo? I sure did. That, that yeah, exactly yeah. yeah, that's it right there. I remember when you bought that and the excitement there. Oh yeah, it is. Um, it is delicious. Um, yeah, and for those of you that don't know, we're talking about fourteen point seven percent alcohol by volume. Um, 
uh, Bourbon County stout. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's barrel aged, um, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. oaky, caramel, vanilla, just goodness. It's and, got great flavors and it packs a punch. Oh, yeah. So by the end of this uh, cast here, we'll see how I'm doing. But yeah, uh, I'm ve- I was very excited because I only break. Well, I might break out more than one a year sometimes, but um, usually I try to do an anniversary. So <clears throat> very nice. Very nice. Anniversary bottle now. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just because you're leading me down a great path here, my father-in-law, who I often talk about on the show, because, you know, he just keeps coming up with more reasons for me to respect him. Uh, but he sent me a photo of a Goose Island Bourbon County bottle this weekend and said, have you had this before? And I, of course, responded with a, you bet your sweet ass. Uh, <laughs> but he was drinking a bottle that was a 2014. Ooh. Yeah. And I almost got my car and drove to his house unannounced uh, with my gun to rob him of whatever supply he had. At 2014, I mean, the five to six year mark is is the the end of life, so to speak, as far as keeping it in the bottle. So um, that man is uh, a treasure because that I it's hard to do. I might I might have a 2017 in a couple of years still, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to do because you want to bring them out for special occasions. You want to have them with your friends and split them and stuff. So I was gonna um, say, what's the point of having them if you're not gonna drink them? So yeah, but I am impressed that he impresses me a little more every weekend. So oh, wow, that's a, that that impressed me. Yeah, you know, shout out Doug, you're the man. He won't listen to this. He's not an in-depth Star Wars fan, but if he did, he would hear a little token of appreciation. There anyway. Speaking of appreciation, right. I'm going to appreciate what I am sipping on this evening. Uh, and tonight it is a straight up Jameson. Ooh, so straight you, up, there you go. You betcha. Well, I uh, I did the did the Jameson Coke last time. That was quite tasty. Uh, but you know, every once in a while, you just gotta go straight for the straight for the good good from the source over an ice cube. So it's go. good. The nice giant ice cube. Well, uh, that goes nicely in my rocks glass here. So, good stuff. Good stuff. It's no, it's no Excellent. vintage whiskey or anything like that. It's just Jameson, but I'm a fan, so it's worth it to me. There you go. That's all that matters. As long as you love oh. it. Yeah, love it almost as much as the Mandalorian. So let's jump in, buddy. Let's jump right in. All right. So, I mean, you open up the Mandalorian. Um, man, where to start? You get that first scene, and he walks into a bar. You get that nice Western feel to it, too. Like, who doesn't love a guy walking into a bar? So he walks in. Immediately, some guy starts picking a fight. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, of course. How that, yeah. How that happens. So um, he complains about his beer being spilled. So he walks into the bar. Mandalorian's still silent. He's like, you're going to get me another drink. And so the bartender throws him a, a glass, which, by the way, is empty. He threw him an empty glass so he could beat the crap out of these two thugs. And that's immediately what the Mandalorian started doing. So you get to see him just start wrecking these guys in the bar. He walks up to, um, oh man, actor's name excuse me right now. He's a, I want to say he's an SNL actor. Anyway, oh no, no, no. Uh, Horatio Sands. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, Horatio Sands. So he walks up to him, uh, playing this blue alien. <laughs> really cool. Um, he's like, oh, you know what? You can have the credits I was going to give these guys. And, uh, Mandalorian just slides uh, 
what, what is called a bounty puck on the table and it pops up with his image on it. And he's like, Oh, is that me? Oh, wow. So, um, Mandalorian takes him in. He gives him the whole the spiel, like I can bring you in hot, or I can bring you in cold, or warm, where I can bring you in cold. And he has his gun on his holster, or his hand on his holster. And obviously, he goes with him. Uh, they get out to their ship. They're cruising out there, and uh, uh, I don't even know what I forget the name of the monster that attacks him out of the ice. But they oh had yeah. Some great- yeah, great imagery. It looked like a, oh, what was that called in the Force Awakens? A rap, uh, uh, oh boy, I'm losing my, uh, the Bourbon County's kicking in. You're losing your touch. No, no. yeah, I'm losing, I'm losing, yeah, I'm losing the animals right now. But anyway, um, but they fly out and the, the, the monster grabs his, um, dude, when you, the monster essentially Jesus. just eats the land cruiser. Yeah, through the ice. It, it, it looks like a moment from Jaws, you know. It does, but so better, like, uh, cooler. Yeah, but way cooler. Like you see the ice blow up, whatever. So he does that, gets him up in the ship. You get uh, Life Days now, cannon, cannon from the holiday special. So kudos, John Favreau, for adding that in there real quick. Uh, but you also get to see the bounty hunter uses um, pulse rifle for the first time by shocking the monster and getting them off. So it's kind of cool, um, but. Uh, realistically, like they get through, he ends up carbon freezing the bounty, and then you get onto the planet where the bounty hunter meets Greek Karga, um, and that's the bounty guild uh, master. Um, so he turns in his bounty, gets money, all that good stuff. Wait, wait, wait. What's his name? That's Carl Weathers, right? That's Carl. Carl Weathers plays Greek Karga. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Carl Weathers is only interested in three bounties. That's the Predator, the Crocodile from Happy Gilmore. Oh, and I'm screwing this up because I can't remember the third one. Ivan. It's Ivan, right? Oh, that's right. Ivan Drago from Rocky. From Rocky. (laughs) Those are the three pucks worth the most money to to Mandalorian. (laughs) But he won't give them to him. He won't give them to him. Anyway, uh. so uh, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. Um, so they, uh, but so uh, he's a leader of the bounty guild. So he gives them the next job, which happens to be for a fifty-year-old bounty. So mm-hmm. and, and there's no puck for this one. It's all verbal, and um, so the Mandalorian has to go meet the client, uh, who's Werner Herzog. Um, German director, uh, pretty good actor too. Yeah, his uh, voice is iconic. His, his voice, voice is great. his voice carries the trailer for the show. I mean, yeah. it's that good. Yeah, and then when you hear him say the lines, even in context, at this point, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's that's dark. Like, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> and, Wouldn't uh, you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Whatever <laughs> you want, bud. Absolutely. So. He's an old Imperial warlord, basically. Um, he had to be an officer at some point in the Imperial, uh, probably a politician or something like that. He's got stormtroopers around him. He's, he's got, got the Dr. medallion. He's got the medallion around his neck, the gold one with the Imperial cog on it. So he's mm-hmm. definitely old Empire. Uh, for anybody that's not familiar, this show takes place uh, about five to seven years after Return of the Jedi. Um, so... Uh, the Empire has fallen. The Battle of Endor's over. The Battle of Jakku's over. 
this is the remnants of the empire still kind of hanging on for some power and dividing it and trying to find more power. So uh, he also has uh, Dr. Pershing with him who walks in the mm-hmm. room during the negotiation, kind of freaks out the Mando. He, Mando almost shoots him, I think, right away. Um, yeah, he draws he, fast. Yeah, immediately draws weapons. The stormtroopers also draw weapons, but um, he apologizes for him. Dr. Pershing, super, um, he's almost kind of a goof, goofy like character, you know? Like He just kind of walks in and was like, oh. like Anyway, but he's got a, a Camino a, a in uh, patch on his arm, like the cloners. Um, which you'll see again in a later episode, but uh, mm-hmm. clear. But so, so the, the obviously... cloners patch is that's a callback to the earlier film. Well, yeah. chronologically, no, but in the history of the Star Wars movies, that's I mean, that's a patch that calls back to episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, when uh, Obi Wan visits Kamino, those are the patches that all the clones wore while they were in training and everything else. So, yeah, it's uh. It's a big callback to that, and uh, very interested to see where it goes. We have to, we don't have all the answers yet, but um, we'll move on to later in the episode when he actually well he accepts a job. Obviously, travels to the planet. There's some fillers. He meets uh, Nick Nolte's uh, Ugnot um, companion. So, say what you want. That might be the voice of Nick Nolte, but I also think that's Nick Nolte without makeup. Don't be mad. Oh, I just think God. that might be what he looks like for real these days. <laughs> That's so good. Oh God, oh. <laughs> that's terrible. That's so bad. But it it was nice to meet that character because you see a character who's tired of all the crap uh, that's happening on his home planet because yeah. of this particular bounty. Yeah, uh, so so his his motivation for helping Mando is, I think it it rings true. Yeah, it's amazing because he he immediately was like, "I'm going to help you because you're a Mandalorian, and I believe that you can get this bounty off my planet because." everyone comes for this bounty and they all die and I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of people coming to the Valley. So yeah, it's, um, you get some filler scenes with him. He, uh, overcomes his, uh, he taught him how to ride one of the animals there, which is fine. Um, Mandalorians were known for riding the mythosaur, which is a huge dragon like figure. Um, the mythosaur or skull is the Mandalorian symbol that you see that, that skull symbol on Boba Fett. Oh, and, no uh, shit. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's a mythosaur. Mandalorians used to ride them. Um, so uh, Nick Nolte's character, um, I forget his name. They actually don't even say his name in the in the mo- in the series. Um, but yeah, he's credited <laughs> just as Nick Nolte. So yeah. again, so I think that's uh, him without makeup. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he kind of eggs the Mandalorian on. He's like you can do this like your people used to ride the mythosaur and so you see the mandalorian for the first time overcome an obstacle through just the fact that i'm a mandalorian so i'm gonna do it so it's really great so um, it's also good in that scene to see somewhere where the mandalorian isn't instantly good at Uh, because up until that point you just saw him no matter what the odds uh he enjoyed being the underdog and showing off that it doesn't matter i'm going to come out on top and then you get this fun scene where he came and ride a freaking animal on it's throwing him off and just really whipping the piss out of him for a bit. Um, I thought that was great. It's good to see characters with flaws who aren't perfect. But then it's even better to see them overcome because it makes you feel good with some good music while he learns to ride and things like that. Uh, and then you get to see him really get his ass kicked later, uh, which I love. And I'm sure we'll talk about that 
briefly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to finish off episode one, though, he gets down to where the bounty um, is in this small village town, whatever. Um, he's scouting it out. He realizes that there, he is not alone on the planet as far as the bounty goes. And there is an assassin droid there. Um, it's IG-11. If you guys, if anyone remembers from Empire Strikes Back, IG-88 was standing with all the other bounty hunters when Vader was uh, putting the bounty out on Solo and the Millennium Falcon. Oh, so IG-88 is assassin droid also, and he's modeled exactly like him, basically with different uh, paint apps, really, um, as far as like the color code and everything. So, uh, but <laughs> he gets down there and he's like, "Oh shoot, the assassin droid's here." So he befriends him and says, hey, we'll split the bounty. And uh, uh, it's uh, Taika Watiti is the voice of IG-11, um, which a lot of people know as um, he's director of Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also voiced, who was it, Korg? He did Korg for them. He is the voice of Korg, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, anyway, but he uh, voiced the IG-11. It's really funny. They, they exchanged some humor while blasting their way out of the situation. Um which just showed that Mandalorian is not going to give up until he gets what he's there for. Because uh, he could have easily retreated, probably. Uh, but he was blasting his way out. Uh, versus the IG-11 was trying to self-destruct because he couldn't be captured. So, really cool. Um, they blast their way out. They get on a nice um, Gatling gun gun type uh, hovercraft and blow every hostile in the area away. It's moving. They get to the bounty. And they open it up. It's almost a crib-like item. And the Mandalorian immediately says, I thought it was 50. And IG-11 very quickly corrects him and says, some species age differently. So, right, yeah. And then you get, the, you get the picture that it's baby Yoda. Well, so Yoda's species has never been um, titled by George Lucas. Like, it was always supposed to be a mystery. So Yoda's species does not have a a name currently that's why it's easiest just to say baby yoda because we only have met two um two jedi well well not specifically jedi but two um beings in the star wars universe that look like him and that's yoda and yaddle which is on the jedi council with yoda um during episode one so uh the easiest thing to call it for the internet is baby yoda because Nobody knows what else to call it. They haven't named it other than a child. So uh, hair, hairless green gizmo. <laughs> hairless green gizmo is pretty close if you look at them side by side, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh um, man, it's weird. Like I just opened my phone. I'm scrolling through some stuff, and it's I see a, a baby Yoda uh, pop grip for the back of your iPhone. I think it knows that we're talking. Oh yeah. Well, Facebook's always listening. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, so there is there's no name for it, but it is what it is. And it's the cutest thing I think the internet seen uh, in the last month because it's all that I've seen <laughs> on the internet. Is. That's all there is. Yeah. Um. But it, I think it's. Um. I'm sure Disney's gonna make a crap ton of money off of merchandise for it because, um, it's the baby Groot of the Star Wars universe. So everyone's really excited about it. Wait, 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 hang on a second. There's an argument on the internet right now about who's your baby Groot or baby Yoda. And the best thing I saw was I would, 
I would use baby Groot as firewood to keep baby Yoda warm. <laughs> yes, that's excellent. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really good. Though. That's really good. Uh, that's funny, but yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it. Like people love baby Groot when it came out, but I mean, what did they do? Sell a lot of merchandise. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> Last Jedi, what they have? Pords. Why? Sell a lot of merchandise. So. Uh, Baby Yoda, I think, will be more important in the story than Porgs, uh, but uh, we have yet to see what the what the reasoning is behind him. Anyway, you close Indeed. out episode you close out episode one uh, with the Mando getting the bounty um, after killing IG Eleven uh, because IG Eleven was there to kill the the bounty versus uh, bring it back alive. Right. So anyway, um, episode two, um, just real quick synopsis of it. Um, Heading back to the ship, uh, there's other bounty hunters out there, obviously. So in this case, they get the Shindosian. So it's a, uh, it, they look like Bosk. Uh, if you know the bounty hunter Bosk, who was also in the Empire Strikes Back scene, um, they get um, they're like the lizard-like people. For those that's people right. Who don't know that's who right. Yeah. <clears throat> they um, they attack him. He takes care of them pretty quickly. Um, saves Baby Yoda. Uh, he's got the carriage hooked onto his watch or whatever. Well, not a watch, but uh, his wrist guard. It's a, it's his Apple Watch. That, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. He's got an Apple Watch that Baby Yoda just follows along. Um, <laughs> but uh, by the time they get back to his ship, um, he realizes it has been scavenged by the the Jawas on the on the planet. Those uh, hooded, glowy-eyed <laughs> bastards. Let me tell you, <laughs> my favorite part of that whole thing was. He like he he literally in his in his mind he probably just said oh shit like you gotta be kidding me right now and then he just pulled out his gun and he starts just disintegrating these guys which is a great callback to the Empire Strikes Back when he tell Vader tells Boba Fett no disintegrations this time so it, it, all the callbacks to the uh, original trilogy and prequels it's just it's great you can tell Dave Filoni and John Favreau are just huge Star Wars fans and they love. To give little Easter eggs in there. Each episode, we get something from them. You can just tell it. that John Favreau was going hard on this. Yeah, uh, I just love it. Like, I mean, like I said, Life Day. I mean, there's so many Easter eggs in every episode. I love it. Um, I, I can't get enough of the Easter eggs. We'll have to make a whole other cast on just the yeah. Easter eggs. Full disclosure so, to everyone listening, we did make a whole cast on <laughs> just the Easter eggs, and it was forever long, but it was plagued by technical difficulties that just rendered the audio useless. So, yeah, we'll probably come out with another Easter egg episode where John just goes nuts with it. It's been, it was crazy. that We went on for like an hour plus for just episode one. We didn't Easter even egg. get through episode one. Like, no, it, it was, I was like, it was, wow. I was giving you a lot of information that night. That was bad. Uh, there was just a ton of stuff. Anyway, um, but uh, so we get in episode two. Uh, like I said, he, he's firing at the Jawas, disintegrating them, and then he starts chasing after them. Right? And yes. I don't know how you, I don't know how you were in that scene when they all the Jawas obviously got in their uh, rover and started going. Right? So when the Mando starts chasing after them, the whole time I'm just like, "Where's Baby Yoda? <laughs> Where?" Where's where's the baby at? What's going on? Because we didn't really know at that time that like it was just following him. You know, it wasn't locked on. So the whole time I was just like, "Where's this? Where's 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 he at? Where's the kid?" And, and so it was just funny that at the end of the scene 
when you think the Mando is going to overcome all the Jawas climbing up the, the the sand crawler, and he finally gets shocked and just knocked off. Uh, he lands straight down. He wakes up, and Baby Yoda's just staring at him. And I'm just like, oh, good. He's still there. It's good. Yeah, it, it was good to see, because for a moment, I was like, who's watching the kid? But yep. I also really thought, Dude, he's getting inside that crawler. We're going to see inside the crawler. And you do. You get to see, the, I guess, the bridge of the crawler. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really thought he was going inside the crawler to just mess up some Jawas. I thought that's what we were going to get, too. Because, like, realistically, we've only seen him succeed. Like, we haven't seen him purely fail yet. So mm-hmm. like, a, episode two was the first time you see him purely fail. And... um then he goes back to um, the Ugnaught, Nick Nolte's character, and just like Jawa scavenged my, um, just raided my ship. And he's like, let's go talk to him. <laughs> and immediately he's just like, they won't be happy to see me. He's like, why? He's like, I might have, I might have disintegrated a few of them, you know, I might have <laughs> I I killed a couple of them. So they get Th- there. That'll <laughs> leave hard feelings. I don't care who you are. Yeah. So they get there, and immediately they ask him. Uh, we didn't even test on, uh, touch on this, but uh, episode one introduced the Mandalorian underground world, so to speak, where yeah, the Mandalorian got his best guard, which was the payment for the first payment on the bounty is Beskar steel, which is the strong. It's almost I think it is the strongest um, metal in the galaxy. So Dura steel is like the common. Um, steel that repels some blaster file, but Beskar steel is the most durable steel in the in the galaxy. So it's very real, fresh, and it's as native to Mandalore. Yeah, real quick, real quick, is that what Captain Phasma's armor is completely coated in? So it's not. It's not clear yet. I'm okay. thinking yes because judging on the Last Jedi, how the blaster file just went straight off of her. Uh, I, I'm thinking, or maybe that was Force Awakens. She got hit with a blaster bolt. I can't remember. Oh, it's um, Last Jedi. Yeah, it's yeah, Last so, Jedi. <clears throat> seeing that happen, I'm thinking yes that her her armor was Beskar steel. Um, so, um, anyway, okay, yeah. So back to the Beskar steel, which is native to Mandalore and very sacred to the the Mandalorian underground. Yeah. So they get. Um, he goes down there and you see multiple Mandalorians down there. It's a hidden, it's a hidden camp for them, I guess, on the planet. And um, they take it to the armor. So he gets his left shoulder. Oh, man, I'm going to mess this up. I right think shoulder. it's his right. It's, it's right, his right. right shoulder. So his right shoulder is made into Beskar armor. And uh, so his shoulder pad is Beskar. So the Jawas immediately ask for that. And the Ugnaught immediately says, he can't give you that. He's a Mandalorian. So you you start making these connections immediately that okay that is very very precious to the Mandalorians so um so we kick them that so they're like well what else can I barter for my ship parts and they want they say the egg and he's like what the hell is the egg so he gets he you get to see the inside of the sand crawler um, from the deck um, right and where they're they're steering everything. Uh, which it's hilarious because he's really tall in that in that space, you know. So he's like bent <laughs> over, like hunched over. Um, but they get to the spot and they're like, "Go get the egg." And then he he looks at what it is, and he goes into this cave. And sure enough, you get this mud horn that just starts beating the crap out of him, which is kind of um, 
like the horned animal from episode two, uh, but it only has one one big horn, and uh, it's basically just tearing him to shreds. Like it's 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 stampeding him, running straight into him, just full charges. Uh, man, yeah, this thing. Have- in case you haven't seen it, this thing is the size of a house, and it is just wrecking the Mandalorian. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't um, it wasn't friendly, that's for sure. And Baby Yoda's in his crib still, just chilling. Uh, and the Mandalorian, this is the part where I really, I, I love this, because uh, Mandalorians are known for being just true warriors, right? So he tried to use his flamethrower, didn't work. He tried to use his gun got jammed and he didn't reload it after shooting through some Jawas earlier. Um, so his gun got, his, the, the mechanism got jammed so he couldn't even use his pulse rifle. Because um, he's covered in mud, of course, so it causes mud. some oh, issues. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's covered in the mud. He's kind of in the mud pit. And uh, so he reaches down and gets his vibro blade out. And so like he's got this little dagger against this mud horn that's, again, the size of a house. And he is going to go down fighting one way or another, which is just, it's great to, I love seeing that because I'm like, this guy's just not going to give up, you know? Uh, and then baby Yoda to the rescue, boom, just force lifts this, um, massive hairy rhino. It essentially is what it is. Yep. It's a bearded rhino, the size of a house and baby Yoda is now standing up in the hover crib and Force lifting, which uh, is a good callback because earlier in the episode, Mando is shown with some wounds uh, and and Baby Yoda keeps trying to heal him and he won't allow it. One, because he has no idea what Baby Yoda is trying to do. And then two, you're like, oh, so Baby Yoda can do something. And then at the end of the episode, you get to see him fully lift and stop this animal so that Mando can take his cute little pocket knife and and essentially just butcher the animal. Yeah, I mean it's one stab and then I'm kind of curious to see it. Like I, I'm not sure what a vibro blade exactly can do, but I mean, you stab it in one section. I don't know if it it vibrates so hard inside uh once it penetrates a like flesh that it can just vibrate and scramble brains or something. Like it was one headshot, one head stab, and the the beast was done. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Long story short, there, Jawas get their egg. As soon as they get it, they crack it open and start eating it, and they just start celebrating. And the Mandalorian is just dumbfounded, like this is this is what you wanted for all my ship parts. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they essentially just gangbang a Cadbury egg with hair all over it, and that <laughs> that is that's their treasure. And then they give them back all the pieces to his ship, which, with the help of Nick Nolte. <laughs> He repairs his extremely stripped-down ship, uh, so much so that it is fit for space travel again, uh, and even offers him a job to come on board, be a part of his crew. Which, unfortunately, he refuses. I would have loved to see more Nick Nolte in there, but yeah, he refused. He's like, now there's peace in my valley, so I'm staying. That was the whole point. That would have been great. That was good for him to follow his character's motivation, Yep. But man, how how fun would it be just to see him on the ship, just stacking around carbonite bounties? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a great. Who doesn't need a mechanic? You know, Ugnats are known as great mechanics. So yeah, but uh, so you close episode two, you move on to episode three, 
you get to see a little more life out of uh, baby Yoda there um, on the ship. He, he pulls off that ball or whatever um, for the hyperdrive uh, lever. And the Mandalorian immediately just says, that's not a toy, you know, and mm. uh, takes it away from him and puts it back on there. Um, but he delivers the bounty, right? He delivers the bounty to the client. He so, does. <clears throat> Winter Herzog pulls out his, his safe full of Beskar steel, which is, he's got like, it, it is substantial. It it's is. Full. It's it's taller than Baby Yoda is. Basically, yeah. And you know, it's funny that I so that um, that the safe. Um, so, um, Wilro Hood is a character name that was given to um, somebody in Empire Strikes Back. He was running through the halls of Bespin while the Cloud City was being uh, evacuated. Mm-hmm. He was running through the halls with this thing, and it's an ice cream maker. I mean, that's what I mean, literally was an ice cream maker that he was holding that he was running around with, and nobody knew what it was in the Star Wars universe. And uh, <clears throat> so, cosplayers, by the way, wear it every year. There, there's a Wilro Hood run around the Star Wars celebration. Of, of course, there is. Of course, so everyone's everyone's dressed in all orange. And they have this ice cream maker that they run around with. Anyway, it's hilarious. Anyway, um, but now we know that that was not just an ice cream maker. Um, it was actually a safe containing something of importance for somebody. So ah. it, was, it was it was that again, cool Easter egg. John Favreau looped in to give us more something like something extra that we didn't necessarily um, expect, which is kind of nice. Um, anyway, so. Um, they take the, they take the child. He takes his payment. Uh, mm-hmm. he, you see him turn. He's like, what are you going to do with a kid? And immediately, uh, the client just says, that's very uncharacteristic for, for someone of your, your, your skill. Like it is not with the code of the guild that you know, this now this is, this is forgotten. Like this transaction is forgotten. This never happened. Yeah. You've um, got, you've got payment. Yeah. We've got the bounty. That is the end of this transaction. Yeah, get the hell out of here, you know. So, like, he leaves. He goes um, down to the Mandalorian pit again, where all the Mandalorians are. Mm. Sorry, I had to get a drink here. Um, so That's uh, fine. But, yeah, uh, he goes down there with this heaping mound of Beskar steel, and he wants to get it melted down and, and forged into armor. And one of the other uh, Mandalorians comes in and says, this is from the Great Purge. Uh, because all the Beskar steel is stamped with that Imperial cog. So between episode three and four, the Imperial army of Star Wars, not the TV show of Star Wars. Wars. Um, They invaded Mandalore and basically raided them of all their steel because it was the most valuable steel in the whole galaxy. So they wanted it. So they took it and also purged the Mandalorian race in in sense so um it was it was taken from right so it was taken from the great purge so the one mandalorian takes exception to this because they he basically just says he's working for the empire like that's unacceptable for us and then the i think it's their leader really the um the 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 person that's working the forge yeah i i refer to her as the mandalorian forger and yeah, because I don't know what else to call her, but she really does seem to be the leader 
of the Mandalorians, at least in this underground sector, because you you don't see her again um, when you do see the rest of the Mandalorians at the end of episode three. Uh, so I think she is kind of protected, which leads me to think that she's certainly kind of more of a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Because she she didn't come out later on in the episode. Like she is still there. So or yeah. maybe not there, but maybe packing up whatever. But yeah, she is definitely like <clears throat> what she says kind of goes. It's kind it's kind of cool scene because um, obviously Nick Nolte had that line. Um, I've spoken. Like yeah, no yes, said, I have spoken. Starts yeah, starts questioning. I have spoken, and I think every dad is now using that. <laughs> with anything they do kid starts back i have spoken and then you walk away you know so yeah i i have tried that twice and the dog has not listened once so (laughs) screw it it's so much better than because i said so though i mean really like i've spoken i have spoken is now up there with it with uh it is decided (laughs) it is decided (laughs) oh man ah i miss that show anyway (laughs) um What's your oh the league yeah oh yeah, yeah. no no we were gonna make that nice little inside inside joke for people who knew you know but whatever uh, yeah, yeah the league anyway no, it's the league if you haven't watched the, the show watch the first uh, anything but the last episode uh, last season sorry yeah, yeah that's fair <laughs> that's fair anyway um so uh, but the, you get the line in that in that section like she starts first of all he refuses a signet of the Mudhorn because it wasn't an honorable kill. So you know how dedicated he is to the Mandalorian faction and their belief system and their religion. I, I mean, you call it religion, I guess. Yeah, um, that's a religion because if you are that honor bound to not taking the crest of the animal, uh, because you did not honorably kill it, you had help. Then that's religion. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, um, uh, he didn't take the signet, which is a big thing that they were going to bestow on him. Um, and, uh, but, but they start talking about like, have you ever taken your helmet off? No. Have you, have you ever been, uh, unmasked by an enemy? No. Okay. And you get this line. This is the way. This is and the that, way. That's when everybody stops. This is the way they all repeat it. This is the way, like they all know that he is 100% one of them, but they didn't want to admit it kind of it was almost, it was kind of like they didn't want to admit it but then they realized yeah. no you know he's what? one of them real quick with the whole this is the way and the way they all kind of fanatically just stop what they're doing and respond in the same uh i just said it's religious the way that he responds and stuff but it's more of cult it, yeah, it, it's they're a cult, cult. they're a cult <laughs> it's a bounty cult <laughs> this is the way okay the way. all right this guys yeah cool it Kool-Aid's at nine. Be here. <laughs> but no, it's it's cool because and during that scene, they both pull out the, their vibro blades and start going after each other. Yeah. It's really cool to see them just going because um, they both pull out a similar weapon, obviously, to go at each other with. Uh, close combat, uh, knife-type like weapon. Um, it just gives you their arsenal. Like They always have a weapon on them at all times. Um, mm. Anyway, the other cool thing, um, just quick Easter egg, uh, John Favreau uh, voices that heavy armored. Oh my god, he does. So I didn't really... even pick that up till you said it. And as soon as you said John Favreau voices, I was like, he's the big guy. Yep. He, I, I can hear him now. 
Yeah, so he voices the big guy, and, and that's just a really cool Easter egg. John Favreau's voice has been in a lot of things, uh, and he does have a good voice. He voiced Rio Durant in uh, Solo Story, so it's a really cool Easter egg for him to be in there just as a voice. Uh, obviously, he's a, a co-producer and everything else, so like it's really cool that he was able to get his voice in the show too because I think he's a good actor anyway. So oh, he is. There is excellent. Yeah. Um, anyway, so moving on. Uh, where we get to, we are forging some armor, right? So, um, yep. armor, armor forge happened. Um, that she even tells him immediately, like people will, it'll be noticeable. You know, it'll be, it'll be wanted. It'll be, people will be envious of you. And, and then it next, is. Oh man, you see him walk into a bar <laughs> to meet uh, Carl Weathers' character, Grief Carga again, and he is decked out in all Beskar steel armor except for I think his. Um, uh, I think with one leg is still man like his old armor, but everything else is Beskar steel. And he walks in, and Carl Weathers just like, "How's my best hunter?" So it's, I mean, realistically, like he's like, "You're the best. Everyone in here, they hate you because you're the best, and you yep. got the bounty that they all wanted." And uh, he's like, "Great, give me my next bounty." He gets the next bounty, and even uh, Grief Karga says, even I'm rich now because he got a cut of the bounty because he gave them uh, the Mando to go hunt for him. So he got a cut of the bounty. So he also had Beskar Steel, which he showed the Mando in his left breast pocket. Yeah, he's got like two bricks of it in his <laughs> yeah. left breast. And the one thing, real quick, that I did want to point out, when Mando goes and he turns his bounty in to be melted down and forged into new armor... He does do something that um, we have seen him do before, and he saves some of his bounty for the foundlings. Oh, yeah, the uh, foundlings, yeah. Which really, really cannot be overlooked, because every time you see him turning in any type of bounty or money he has, he's always throwing down a little bit for the kids. Yeah, He has a soft spot for kids, and it's very clear when he sees 50-year-old baby Yoda that he really cannot get past his own childhood trauma. Uh, and that's something I'm sure we're going to see built on that. But he has a soft spot for any kid in trouble. Yeah. I mean, realistically, like, so the foundlings are orphans basically taken in by the bounty, uh, the Mandalorian. Kid. Right. So uh, we find that out later a little bit. But like, uh, and I mean, spoiler for episode four or whatever, but like the Mandalorian does find out that he i mean we find out that he was a foundling and he the mandalorians adopted him into their culture and took care of him after his parents died which we see flashbacks of during every episode right of, of flashbacks where you see during the um excuse me the clone wars um it is a separatist army there are droids on his planet killing people and his parents hide him in some kind of shelter shed whatever and you, you see the droids on the ground, though. So we know that he doesn't like droids because droids killed his family. And then right. took him in. So he was a foundling. So <clears throat> him giving to the foundlings um, and then saying, the foundlings are the future. This is the way. So This is the um, way. Yeah, this is the way. So um, it, it's really, a, a, you, you can tell 100%, like you said, like he cares about, the kid, not just kids, but the foundlings that are left alone in the world uh, that need to be taken in and, and made into something else. So it's Absolutely. great. Um, so uh, we move on. Uh, we get 
his armor. Uh, he gets his next bounty. He gets into his ship, and then he's looking around, and he finds that ball. Because he goes to hit the lever, and the ball is not on there. Mm-hmm. And, then he, and then he picks up the ball, and man, I think everybody knew it. He cannot leave. He can't leave that damn kid without knowing what's going to happen to him. He can't. And even knowing what's going to happen to him, he just he cannot do it. So, full on plot, plot twist, full spoilers for everyone. At the end of episode three, the Mandalorian goes full blown taken and goes back and gets the kid. Holy crap. That's my. And it is since, awesome. Since Rogue One. Like, you know what Darth Vader in Rogue One is going to do. He right. is going to whip some ass. He's going to run down that corridor and just wreck some rebels. And when you see the Mandalorian spy and see what Werner Herzog and um, uh, Pershing are talking about, and he's like, I can't protect you anymore. Your work needs to be done. It, it, needs, it needs to be done. And when you see him lay that first well when he rips the droid out the wall (laughs) oh yeah and lay that first detonator on that back wall you're just like dude it's gonna wreck some people like and that's exactly what you get and he uses all of his weapons in his arsenal like you get to see everything you get to see it's great to finally see that because you know you knew in watching return the jedi that Boba had a, a just a crap ton of guns and stuff on him that he wasn't even using when he just, I guess he was tired and fell in the Sarlacc pit, whatever. But you finally get to see a Mandalorian go all out and use everything in his armor and arsenal, and it is so rewarding. Yeah, it, I mean, it's worth him, waiting till the end of episode three, four. Yeah, you get to, I mean, you see him just wreck people, like not just with his blaster, but you get his flamethrower, you get the whistling birds, you get. Um, him just as a combatant, you know, like he is taking down troopers uh, and it is just great. It, it, it's fun to watch. And yeah. obviously he gets to the, the, the room with Pershing and uh, Dr. Pershing has him on the table, baby Yoda on the table and he's getting scanned for something. We don't really know what it was. Again, yeah. They're looking for something. Yeah. We assume it's some cloning technique because again, <laughs> you can see that patch where Pershing is a cloner and he talks about how he would be dead if it wasn't for me. So I like, and so the man takes the baby, gets back on his ship, and closes out episode three, dropping that ball down to him so Baby Yoda can play with the ball. And it's just, it's just funny because like he obviously cares about the kid. Um, yeah. And he broke. Uh, oh, well, we skipped over a bunch, right? Right there. Yeah. Well, um, we skipped over a good scene where it seems like all the bounty hunters go after Mando and the kid because he's breaking some type of code there. (laughs) Well, you realize that every single bounty hunter had that fob for that bounty. Every single one. But because they knew... And it gets reactivated. Yeah, because they knew that they couldn't get it, they never went after it because they knew that everyone had died going for it. So the Mando got it, and then they reactivated the fob when the bounty had been taken from the client. Right, and you realize that everybody had one, everybody, and um, you get to see the Mando. I mean, realistically, if I would have been in that that firefight, I would have gone back to the bar. I'm like, I this is not where I parked my car. I need to go <laughs> somewhere else uh, because this isn't where my ship is. Yeah, this is. <laughs> he was just tearing people apart. 
all of a sudden like guys on the rooftops were getting disintegrated I'm, i would have been out i'd have been like no way not doing this this is not worth my time yeah but it but it also is a good scene that shows you that mando's not invincible and he does get pinned down in into a spot that he cannot get out of yeah and, not and, alone and fortunately that's when we get to see the mandalorians that underground i guess cabal of them on that planet all reemerge and make themselves known to not only help you know mando but also to support what I can only assume they think of as a foundling in the baby Yoda. They say, this is the way. And they continue to just cover his ass while he escapes with baby Yoda. And not just cover it, they lay down some rage on these people. Yeah. And it is awesome. You get to see another jetpack. Yeah, you get to see the jetpack Mandalorians just raining fire from the sky with like chain gun blasters and all sorts of awesome stuff. It was a great scene. Yeah. In fact, as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to go turn it on uh, because it's just that awesome. Yeah. It was a great scene. And then Mando gets back to his ship because of it. And then uh, uh, Grief Cargo, Carl Weathers' character catches up. Well, he's on the ship already. Yeah. He's like, you knew this is not how it's going to end. Like, you broke the code of the guild. And, um, um, he does some trick uh mando does some trickery and then shoots him uh grief cargo off the ship and whether or not it was on purpose or not i think it was on purpose i, I think it's mando on purpose i don't think I mando wants to kill him he yeah. i think he shoots him right in the chest where he knows where his piece of the baskar steel is uh just to knock him off the ship so he can keep going yeah so yeah he he shoots him off uh, Grief Cargo is on the ground. He reaches in his pocket, pulls out the best car with the laser bolt that went off. Obviously, deflected something, which was a laser bolt. But I think the Mando could have just headshotted him if he wanted to. Oh, way. absolutely. So, like, yeah. He purposefully did that because he didn't want to kill him. He do, he wasn't mad at him. He understood what the situation was, but he didn't like the situation, so he changed it, which was stealing the, the bounty. Right. Anyway, which but, I think honestly really speaks to again the character of mando uh and i know i keep calling him mando but that's just his name now because i don't have another name from the mandalorian so mando is his name there's a Uh, name there is a name but they haven't said it in the show so for now he's mando he's mando uh but i think that scene also highlights again that he lives by a very strict set of of code um and principles that he for the first time breaks and not delivering baby Yoda uh, and going and getting him back. But he's still very aware of the world he lives in and the things he does and the people he works with that he's not going to go and just smoke. I'm sorry, I forget his name, Carl Weathers. Um, but he he's very aware, like, this person doesn't deserve to die because they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Right. I'm the one breaking the rules. So I'm not going to punish anyone else for doing what I would have done myself. Exactly. And, and, and honestly, and you know, what's so funny is so many people complain about not being able to connect with the Mandalorian because he won't take off his helmet. And the entire time during these episodes, I'm just thinking about that's exactly what I would do. Like if I'm bound by a code, 
I'm not going to, like, I connected with him immediately on a lot of things. Like, I'm like, if I'm connected to a code and I have that, like, I, so far he's played out his character exactly how I would have seen it. So very well, very well. I connect with him real quick. Um, because I know when you and I typically have these Star Wars conversations that the dad aspect of this podcast and stuff goes out the window. But really, in my opinion, you get to see this hardened bounty hunter soften a little bit and become like a space dad. And there's a lot of stuff you'll do for your kid that you thought you would never do. And he's going through these same stuff. So I, I totally empathize with him. Although I'm not setting up resistant movements and militia armies and stuff like that, like he does in episode four. Uh, but, you know, I, I go to work every day uh, for my kid, and uh, I change diapers and things like that. Like some things I, I'm i not proud of, but I do. Uh, so I, I get it. I, uh, I, I like that nice touch that you can empathize with this person for doing the right thing because if you are a dad, you're looking at, you're looking at your own little baby Yoda as they run through and yell no and tell you they will only eat Doritos. And you're like, yeah, I, I, all right, I do the same thing. I got it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think that's, that's important for the character. I mean, uh, they, um, like I said, Sony were like, well, how are you going to uh, connect with somebody that you don't even know if they're human or not? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's a character in a mask. Like, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a being there. That has feelings, that has emotions, that has honor. That I mean, you you can connect with stuff. I don't think it's very hard. But that was one of the biggest. I actually think that it's easier to connect with him because you don't see his face. All of a sudden, you can project yourself onto this faceless character who does morally the right thing. Yep. Like, yep, that's me. I I I can see myself doing that. Um, even when he makes some shady decisions early on, you're like. Yeah, I'd probably do that too. I, I get it. So you I, wanna, you want to hear that crazy theory right now, real quick? Um, one minute, one minute on theory. You get sixty second theory. Let's roll. Are you ready? So, the internet loves the theory that the Mandalorian could be a woman. Oh man, I <laughs> love that. See, I don't mind that at all. Like, I, I, the I, only not one theory- bit. After episode four, I, I can see where the tension would be just because, like, um, I mean, he, I mean, the Mandalorian is built as a man, and we've seen off scene, uh, off, off, um, sorry, um, like, uh, film shoots of the, of the studio yeah, and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedro Pascal is yeah. in Mandalorian armor. So, like, we know that it's, it's him in the suit, you know? But, oh, but you know what that reminds me of, though? And I know you're I know you're going this way, but it's it's very clear. In Return of the Jedi, when that bounty hunter goes to Jabba's palace after Hans frozen in carbonite and goes and unthaws him, it turn it, it turns out to be Leia. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, the it's, same it's yeah. yeah, it's the same principle because even that character looked like a guy in a suit until the helmet came off. Right, it could because of voice changer, you never know. Like I mean you I mean you could do all kinds of stuff in the Star Wars universe. I still personally think it is Pedro Pascal. It is a male Mandalorian, uh, just the, from the build of him. But uh, it could be a woman, and I wouldn't mind that. I mean, it wouldn't bother me at all. I, I think it'd be awesome uh, because, I mean, 
shit, she's got the whole galaxy fooled that she's the biggest dentist in the world, which is awesome. But yeah, that is one of the rumors on the on the yeah. And right like now, said, right now, all I'm thinking of is Samus from Metroid. And and honestly, how many people thought Samus was a dude? I did, <laughs> so, but I yeah. I was a kid, and then as soon as I beat the game and the armor exploded, I was like, "Hey, that's a chick! What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so, but no, that, I mean that, that's that. one of those theories, and I, I I know. I mean, I truly believe it's Pedro Pascal. I believe it's a male, but. Um, one of the theories is what if it was female and I'm like, good, that's awesome. I, I mean, great. They're kicking I would ass. love it. I would love it. Um, yeah, um but anyway, but uh, moving on, uh, you want to go to episode four or we have time for that? Yeah. Let's, on? let's go ahead and real quick, quickly recap episode four, uh, because I know episode five drops today. Uh, so I know people are going to be clamoring to get home and, and watch that. So let's go ahead and talk about. What happened in episode four? I feel like it's a bit of a deviation from episode one through three because uh, I think it's it's the beginning of kind of a new story, yeah, or a so, new arc, a new arc, if you will. Yeah, so we start off obviously the Mandalorians on the ship, and you can see some of Baby Yoda's personality, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and, and <laughs> total dad moment right there, right? Where you yes. feel like don't don't touch that, and then they stare right into your eyes and, and then reach over it. and they hit it and then you start shaking because your car well his ship just <laughs> obviously it changes what his ship was doing and, and he, he just moves it over nope you can't sit there anymore you know um so it, it, it's kind of fun but he finds a planet that is um low density as far as population no star ports i mean he basically finds the middle of nowhere yeah um, he so finds they, a sweet hideout yeah, for them yeah they drop in they go to a bar uh, of course, uh, I think yeah, this guy naturally. only knows where bars are. He finds them all, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then, uh, and you know what's funny too is like, we all have that moment with either a, um, let's say it's a it's a previous girlfriend, or maybe it's some people's wives or kids. When you're like, hey, you stay here. I don't need you right now. You <laughs> stay. Like you're good here. Stay safe. Like don't. You're, I'll take care of this. You just do this. And then you are getting in your car, and then all of a sudden you hear the door slam on the other side, and you're like, "Oh yeah!" And and there you are again. Yeah, okay. you're still, you're coming. All right, let's, uh, whatever. Okay. Um, and that's what happened to Mandalorian. He tells Baby Yoda, "Stay on the ship. I'll go explore." And then he opens the drop door, and Baby Yoda's standing there, and he just he just it's a shrug of the shoulder moment. It's just hilarious. He's just like. Well, like, okay. Well, you'll be my shadow from now yeah. on. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do this. All right. Let's do it. So, anyway, they get there. That's every order. dad trying to go to the bathroom. Oh, I think it's any parent going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yes, uh, they uh, get in there and uh, they, they order their, their uh, food. And he, rec- he, well, he didn't recognize her, but he uh, asked the waitress. Uh, hey, who's that over there? How long have they been here? What's their business here? And she simply explains to him, she's been here for a while. There's just no business to be had here. So there's no reason for them to be here kind of thing. Um, so immediately Mando starts thinking, oh, this is a bounty hunter here for us. So we need to take care of it. Right. Um, and you get to see Mando like go outside, use a sweet tracking 
um, thing that we've never seen before, but he, he can track um, thermal uh, infrared, really. So he got infrared on the ground tracking footprints. It's Predator. He, he took to Predator's mask <laughs> he is from an predator. earlier job. He is the Predator. <laughs> um, but you catch up to um, uh, oh, Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune. Uh, and for those of you who don't know who she is, she's an ex-MMA fighter. So I was watching this show, and I immediately looked at my wife and said, I can't wait for this brawl. And she's she, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a brawl because yeah. she's an MMA fighter. Like, it's going to be a brawl. <laughs> that actress is known to many um, Deadpool film yes. fans as yeah. the lady bad guy. Who does the superhero landing superhero, towards the end of the film? Lady. Yeah, superhero landing. Wait, 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 wait. She's gonna do it. She's gonna yeah. do it. She did it. She did it. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. So she did the superhero landing in that, and then she was also in uh, one of the Fast and Furious. I think it was Fast Five, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But she was on the bad team on that one too. Um, but it was. It, she's a. Good she's actress. a great actress. Yeah. She's a great actress, and like she can do all of her own stunts, obviously. So it makes it even and better a, because you know a, it's her. She's also a very believable badass. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because um, when you get her backstory later on in the episode, you're like, uh, yeah, she is. Uh, yep. she is. Why mm-hmm. am I not surprised by that? Anyway, so they get into it. And uh, they're actually broken up. They get uh, the old school. Ma- no, I say old school. Jesus. Uh, they get into that Matrix scene between yeah. uh, Neo and Agent Smith with guns to each one of their heads. And they're like, oh. yeah. They they trade they trade hands they get out there yeah. they they mix it up a bit uh, and they do get broken <laughs> up though yeah they get broken up baby Yoda's just sitting there drinking a soup <laughs> <laughs> which is an incredible meme worthy moment for the internet thank God that's out oh yeah the internet my wife has already hit this. me on that one she yeah <laughs> uh-huh. the, the 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 meme war is on on that one um, yeah. but yeah it's it's a good scene like breaks it up. And the Mandalorian just simply breaks it up by saying, do you want some soup? And then they sit down and they start talking about why everyone's there. And we find out that Cara Dune is hiding out also because she used to be a jump tr- uh, um, Imperial, um, well, no, excuse me, a rebellion trooper mercenary that was hunting down Imperials, decided to hide out because she's over it. And uh, uh, then we move on to a scene where he gets... Uh, he's packing up a ship to leave because it's Kara's doing planet to hide out on, and he doesn't want to be there if she's there, kind of thing. And so, <laughs> but some villagers uh, come up to him and offer him not very much money, but offer him money to protect them from raiders. Mm-hmm. And uh, which we see to the opening scene in the episode is the raiders taking over our village. And. Uh, and we do Please. finally get to see, towards the end of this, the Raiders do have a piece of uh, iconic hardware from, uh, what was that, Return of the Jedi? Yeah, the, been, yeah we've been indoor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's, what is that, that's the AT... <laughs> ST. ATST. Yeah, long story short, Mando uh, says no and then says yes based on the fact that they're like, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and yeah. we live in a village where nobody knows where it's at. And so he goes with them. He picks up Cara Dune on the way, says, hey, here's some money. We're going to go to the middle of nowhere and hide out for a while. Right. And uh, 
they get out there and then they realize while they're tracking the raiders throughout the forest that there is a, a big atst because they find a footprint of it which is funny um the girl oh man i'm gonna mess his name up oh man uh jurassic world actress bryce dallas howard thank you um, mm-hmm. she directed this episode yo that's and, right and when you see that footprint you're like oh shoot that's that's a jurassic park like that's that's immediately screams dinosaur right dinosaur <laughs> so she um plays off of her jurassic world type um Experience, I guess, really, yeah. background, yeah. and has that ATST footprint in the ground. And the Mandalorian and Cara Dune are just like, y'all got to move. <laughs> yeah, you leave, leave your village. It's not important. You yeah. you got to go. They're like, we did not sign up for this. This is not <laughs> it. So uh, they're, uh. But all the villagers complain and say, hey, we were raised here. Our families grew up for generations here, blah, 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 blah. We have to stay. We're going to fight for this land. Yeah, yeah we're going to fight for it. And you get to that Seven Samurai uh, world. Um, also, I mean, there's all kinds of stories that have done it already. Um, even the Ninja Turtles back in time did it, right? Where they taught the villagers how to fight against the Empire. Right. You know? Here so, you go. Let's do guerrilla warfare. Yeah. So they're like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to teach you how to fight. We're going to teach you how to trap this. And we're going to win this war kind of, kind of thing. So they did it. Um, uh, good storyline, good homage to the past. I feel like a lot of film writers do this now anyway, uh, where yeah. they, they put old films that they grew up with in in their plot points somehow. Um, but uh, uh, Cara Dune and the Mando start teaching them how to fire weapons, fight with staffs, um, everything else. Uh, and they uh, defeat the Raiders, um, the plan doesn't go exactly how it's supposed to, obviously, but they do get the ATST in a trap, and then the Mando blows it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the end of the episode, you see the uh, Mando just—I mean, Cara Dune's giving him trouble. Like, why won't you just take that helmet off? And he's like, "If I do, I can't ever put it back on." Because she's like, "Oh, it was like a kind of funny scene, really." She's like, "Do they hunt you down and kill you?" <laughs> and uh, there's a love interest at the village, obviously, and this mm-hmm. this episode is the first episode that takes um, the time period of a couple months to get through. So it's right. not a yeah, it is a, a it's a very long time lapse episode. It's not a quick one day kind of thing. Yeah, it is a um, they they are in between the time they get to the village versus the time they leave the village is a couple months. So. There is a, a love interest, so to speak, for the Mandalorian, and it's a widow with a young daughter um, that has connected to Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda has been playing with all the kids this whole time. And, right. Uh, he wants to leave Baby Yoda there, but he can't stay. And um, Cara Dune is just like, why can't you just like, – you have a beautiful woman here that wants to be with you, clearly, and you won't take off your mask. <laughs> And he's like, "This is not the life. I, I it's it's nice, but I don't I don't want this life. This is um, not the way. This is not the way." And so they get through it, and then they um, uh, they decide that, well, I'm going to leave Baby Yoda here, but I'm going to go. So mm-hmm. as he's telling his love interest this, um, there's a bounty hunter on the planet with a fob, 
that starts targeting the Mandalorian and then starts targeting Baby Yoda. And you hear the gunshot. Mm-hmm. And this this is a bounty hunter who has taken up a sniper position in the woods. So yeah. he's away from the village where everyone's all happy. He has Mando in his sights. He has Baby Yoda in his sights. And you see that through the lens of the camera. And then you do hear the gunshot or laser blaster shot, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, last shot. You see birds fly out of the uh, out of the woods. Um, you see the Mando cover um, the woman real quick, and then say, "Go get the kids." And you don't see Baby Yoda for a minute, and that's the one that was targeted. And then you see the bounty hunter with a sniper rifle fall over flat on his face because Cara Dune shot him in the back. Yep, she got the drop on him. <laughs> and saved Baby Yoda's ass. Yep, and that, <laughs> that that does lead though to Mando realizing that no matter where Baby Yoda goes, he is not safe. Uh, and the bounty hunter had a fob, smashes mm-hmm. the fob, decides to take Baby Yoda with him. And what I was confused about, and maybe you will have some reason why, Cara Dune asks him if, "Hey, do you want escort back to your ship?" And he simply says. No, we're gonna bypass the village and and get back to the ship immediately, and uh, she just says until our paths cross again. And, yeah, which but but he invited uh, the Ugnat Nick Nolte's character to come along, and he did not invite Cara Dune. So I'm I was kind of curious as to why he wouldn't have asked someone that would really help him in a fight um, along with him. Uh, the only reason I can come up with that is because everything else now you're rationalizing or trying to make it fit. Right. So the only reason I can come up with that is because the writers didn't want her to to go on the ship at this point in time. That's it. But, I mean, other than that, I really can't say because it would make sense to have someone who has your back on the ship who can fight as well as you. Uh, just as much as it would make sense to have an engineer on your ship who could basically reassemble the ship when Jawas take it apart piece <laughs> by piece. Um, the They're trying to stick, I think, to a loner mentality for the Mandalorian, which fits the bounty hunter kind of persona he has, uh, that he is somehow merging into like a father figure for this baby Yoda, but he still wants to be a loner. So he gets out of these positions and leaves the excellent secondary characters behind uh, because it's the Mandalorian and not the Mandalorian and friends. So that's the (laughs) only reason I can think that they don't just start expanding a crew on a bigger ship with him. Uh, He's a loner by nature. And otherwise, if he wasn't, he'd have at least two people on board his ship with him and Baby Yoda now. I agree. I can. I mean, yeah, that loner, that loner mentality is definitely Mandalorian way. So I, I mean, I can respect that. I know. I know. For instance, uh, Gina Carano is slated for at least one more episode this series, this season. And can't she's wait. On, she's on set for season two already. Can't so, wait. Can't wait. Can't do wait. we know? Just real quick. Do we know when season two might drop? I don't have an answer on that. Okay. Um, I, I know we're. We're all anxiously awaiting. We only have what? How many episodes left this season? Four. Four. So it's an eight-episode season then. Um, 
yeah, hopefully they 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 give us this and we get something at the end of summer 2020. That's my hope. I can help. I can help. It's just so hard. I mean, but I mean, we're all gonna hope for it before we start hoping for something for next summer. I think we shall be gearing up for uh, the episode that drops today. I feel like we wrapped up uh, the good, the trailers that we've got for Rise of Skywalker. We also wrapped up uh, a a pretty good recap of the Mandalorian episodes one through four. So I feel like we've got plenty to look forward to today uh, when episode five drops. Um, Some people have probably already watched it by this point in the day, uh, but I look forward to watching it this evening. Yeah, I'll, I will definitely catch up with this. Um, I, like you said, this evening will be um, after I'm done with everything else. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Um, yep. No, oh, no. Man, there's, there's so much. There's so much coming out. I can't wait for everything. I mean, we're two weeks away from the movie, so I... We, yeah. we are. We are. And uh, we'll work out something special for the movie. I'm not quite exactly sure what that is, uh, but we will work that out. But... Uh, here at this point, John, I think uh, we've got some great, great content here, and we look forward to the next episode where we talk about probably The Mandalorian and also being one week away from The Rise of Skywalker and the December 18th drop of Charles Soule's book uh, that is going to give us a better look at Kylo Ren. So we have lots to look forward to. Yeah, can't wait to start covering some stuff. I can't wait till uh, next week when we get to talk about, like like you said, Mandalorian episode five, uh, plus some of those theories that are coming out about what baby Ro- uh, Yoda's role is and everything coming up. Yep, it's looking good. Can't wait to do it. All right, well, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Sounds good. Can't wait. <laughs>